Welcome to Generation Ag, a podcast for the future of agriculture. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lavinia. And we're a couple of young Aggies passionate about celebrating our industry and sharing the stories of people who work in it. And welcome back to Generation Ag. I'm your host, Kayla Evans, and today I'm so excited to be speaking to Callan Daly. Callan is a young gun in the agriculture industry who grew up on a beef station in central Queensland, about 100 kilometres northwest of Longreach. Fast forward to leaving school, Callan commenced a dual degree in engineering and biotechnology before deferring. Callan's passion for agriculture saw him be invited to speak at the Avocag conference in early 2019 as a future young leader, and that's how we found him. He is so passionate about improving the visual and verbal perceptions around agriculture and wants to raise awareness of the detrimental effect that our words can have on the way people see our industry. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. So, Callan, I hear all the time in my work with school-aged kids that agriculture is dying, and I'm really excited to have you on because I think you're almost the antithesis of this, um, and you're proof that, yeah, that's just not the case. We like to start all of our episodes the same way, and that is for you to tell us, who are you? So, I'm definitely, Callan Daly is definitely just a, another young bloke um, trying to his best in a big world, you know, I'm, I'm no different from the next 21-year-old. And I, I grew up 100 kilometres northwest of Longreach in central Queensland on a beef station. Uh, I went through the classic remote lifestyle of small school to slightly bigger school to an even bigger school in <laughs> Brisbane. So I boarded from the age of 12 and I loved every moment of it. And I ended up graduating and took a gap year outside of Gundawindi on a crop and cattle property. I fell back in love with agriculture and discovered a whole new industry. So I moved on to study a dual degree of engineering and biotechnology for 18 months. And the next part of my life and who Callan Daly is started when I took a break from that and attended a VOCAG in February this year um, where I was a future young leader. And I pretty much stumbled across the discovery that my passion aligns with you know, so many other people's interests and concerns uh, in the industry around me. And so since Evoke Ag, I've been a field technician for an ag tech company based in Adelaide. And I basically, I haven't looked back since. So again, you know, Callan Daly is a 21-year-old bloke who's simply putting his hand up to, to share his passion about changing the visual and verbal perception within and around agriculture. Yeah, I love that. So talk to me a little bit more about what it was like growing up on a cattle station in Queensland. I'm from Queensland myself, so I'm so excited to be speaking to another fellow maroon blood. Um, talk, Yeah, paint us a picture. What was it like growing up in central Queensland? So it was the classic um, story of the 100 kilometres northwest. So it was reasonably remote. You know, Longreach as the closest town is, uh, I think it was four to 5,000 people. Uh, we'd go in once or once a fortnight, once a week to do our grocery shopping and the rest of it. Uh, I was on a, on a public school that was on a property near you know, half an hour drive away and my mum would drive my brother and I back there 
you know, four times a day, she would make that trip. That was two hours out of her day every day trying to get us just the start of an education. And there was only between three to 10 kids at this school. So it was an experience um, that I will never forget. And I, you know, you you have the open wide spaces and it's a childhood that uh, I I look back and cherish. Mm. School of the Air was never really an option for you guys? I believe it was, it it was on the cards. I think uh, my parents with a school that, even though it was relatively small with a school that you could public, you know, that you could actually interact with people face to face. It was probably the most appealing thing for my parents. Yeah. And what did you spend most of your afternoons and weekends doing as a kid? <laughs> I can guarantee it was out on a, on a little, little 90 little two wheeler or something, uh, rounding up some cattle or on a horse getting bucked off. If I, if I felt that way. Yeah. How many siblings do you have? Uh, just one older brother. So he's two years older than me. Okay. And are you guys close? Yeah, yeah, we're close. So he's in Brisbane uh, studying a dual degree of, nearly finished his dual degree of law and biomedicine at QUT. Wow. Overachievers in your family. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Your parents must be really proud. Um, and then you took a gap year after finishing high school. Um, what did you get up to? Tell us a bit more about that. So, yeah, I worked um, 60 kilometres northwest of Gundawindi. Uh, I did that for about 10 months, and I worked with some family friends of mine that ran a crop and cattle station. And I would say that 10 months of my life there, after being in an urban uh, school in Brisbane for five years, it was amazing to sort of reignite that passion again for agriculture I worked with amazing people, a lovely family. It was an awesome community. Everything, all the boxes were ticked, really, if you wanted to experience something that made agriculture um, an appealing career choice. So I guess that's where I stumbled across um, the idea that ag wasn't um, matching the urban sort of stereotype that might have been put in my head by that point. Mm. So was the gap year your parent, uh, your parents' idea or was it your idea? Were you encouraged or discouraged from taking a gap year? I would say um, parents were reasonably neutral on the, on the fact. My brother took a gap year, uh, I took a gap year, but that would probably mostly be influenced by the choices of family, friends and people around us, I guess, who mm. always recommended the choice of, getting an experience for 12 months, you know, just taking that break and going and finding out what the, uh, the industries or an industry is like to work in, I guess. Mm. And were most of those family friends, um, in agriculture or out of agriculture? I'd say, I'd say, I'd have to say both. Um, I hadn't heard many bad reviews of you know, it didn't matter if they'd gone and traveled the world and just seen the world. It was, it was more the experience side of things. It didn't matter what industry that, you know, they were coming from, I guess. And before you went to do your gap year, were you ever thinking about going back to the farm to work or, or run it as your um, f- parents got older or were you always thinking you might move off the farm? Uh, that was something that was on the cards as as a child or as a kid. Growing up, though, my we, we went through uh, a horrific period and or even uh, still not completely out of it but we went through an absolutely horrific period of drought uh, out at long range so mm. nearly bordering on seven years 
And my parents, uh, and absolutely kudos to them, never pressured my brother or I to return to agriculture because we had seen how how tough it can be, but it was also not like they discouraged it. So it was a it was more of the pick your own path mentality that we had um, growing up, which was I find is is great, really. Yeah. The reason I ask is because through my work, um, I work a lot with Metro kids around that career decision-making process. And I find lots of Metro parents are actually very hesitant to let their kids have a gap year because they're scared they'll actually never go to university. And it's almost the opposite when you speak to regional families. It's almost like, and particularly farming families, it's almost like farming families want their kids to go off farm, have an experience and make sure that they know that they want to come back to agriculture or back to the farm because, yeah, we, we've we've learnt from growing up in on the farm how hard it can be and some of us are a bit peppered towards re-entering the industry and so I think that gap year idea is, is really important. I wanted to add to that then around this discussion, do you feel like... Um, parents pushing their kids to have that gap year when you're on a farm might you know feed into this discourse around ag not being necessarily an aspirational career yeah for sure and that's a really i think that's a really um challenging and i guess even diverse topic to talk about because the facts i i believe the worst thing you can do is not encourage your children to evolve critical thinking and I think it's so important that we develop positive critical thinking. It's a big one because if, if you blindly uh, follow what has been done for the last 50 years, it's, there's, that's where progress dies, I guess. So I would say it's, there, is, there is a big problem about um, subconsciously agriculture not being viewed as, uh, as an aspirational career, especially from within agriculture, like you're saying of, of parents going, oh, you should try something else. You know, this, this, this might not be the career for you. Look at how hard it is on the land. But there's just so much in agriculture that's not toiling the land. There's so many aspects. There's ag tech and innovation and business and finance. It's, the list goes on. Mm-hmm. So I think it's uh, important to, to realise those things and encourage your, your family, friends and the people around you to, to develop that critical thinking by seeing other industries and other aspects of agriculture. Yeah. In my particular personal case, I took a gap year myself, grew up on the farm and I actually never wanted to be a farmer. That was not of interest to me. And I guess... Thinking back on it now, I I was kind of reinforced the idea that because I was a high achieving student, ag or farming specifically was not going to be in my future. And I think back now about if that's happened to me and I'm from a farming family, imagine how many kids sitting in metro classrooms who are, you know, B grade, A grade students being discouraged from thinking about um, pursuing a career in ag because all we know about ag from the outside is farming. And like you just said, there's so much more to it than that. Yeah, absolutely. That's it pretty much steals the word straight from my mouth <laughs> of uh, just, yeah, if, 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 I, if I can, if I can experience that, that nearly nearly shame of being associated with it, associated with agriculture and mm. maybe not going and choosing a career in it. If I can experience that, if you can experience that, yeah, mm. just imagine um, how much that happens. You can see it with the lack of young people coming into agriculture, I guess. Yeah. So 
we'll move on then to university. So you chose to study a double degree in engineering and biotechnology. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So was that a choice to look outside of agriculture or were you kind of being strategic about choosing something that could be used in the ag industry? It was definitely like, absolutely. It was a, it was my attempt at making a strategic choice of something that, that could be warped or twisted to go back into agriculture. But it was also the, I guess the mindset of most um, kids that grow up in agriculture is the hands-on working aspect. And in my mind, the tertiary degree that fit that was most likely going to be engineering. Because I was a high achieving student and I also enjoyed hands-on practical work, I thought, wow, you know, engineering probably ticks those boxes. But it was also a direct result of achieving those higher grades at school and being strongly encouraged to pursue higher tertiary degrees from my school and even the people around me uh, of engineering, law, science, those classic degrees that um, agriculture gets ranked down probably nearly, I'd I'd have to say nearly at the bottom. Um, If you're, yeah, as you said, an A-grade student, if you're if you're good at maths, it's definitely it's certainly not agriculture that people are suggesting that mm-hmm. you know if, if you get your OP one, uh, it's 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 not going to be the career that people come up to you and say, wow, you should you should try that out. So I would I'd say it was a bit of both. It was it was me trying to to juggle a few things at once, uh, and I, I I just don't think yeah I think I think I became more interested in pursuing directly a career in agriculture. Um, instead of taking that five and a half year degree through. Yeah. Um, and just for the people in the rest of the world who don't run on the OP system, because I understand, but um, an OP equivalent over here would be something like an ATAR, which I'm pretty sure is what everyone else runs on. <laughs> um, and that's an OP1 is the highest rank you can get, which would be the equivalent to an uh, ATAR of 99, just so people know uh, what we're equating here. So I want to move on to sort of, I guess, kind of semi-launched your um, persona in agriculture. And that was through the Evoke Ag Conference. That's the first time I heard your name. And um, I'm going to play a short snippet for our listeners uh, so they can get a bit of an idea of your presentation at the Evoke Ag. And I encourage everyone to go and watch it in full. I'll leave the link for everyone to go and see. But as you're listening to it, now, I want you to picture Callan waltzing onto stage with a half-untucked RB to sell his button-up shirt with a far-from-new Akubra and his sunnies plunked on top. And throughout his presentation, he unbuttons his shirt to reveal a stiff corporate business shirt and replaces his Akubra with a pair of reading glasses and a tie. You know, why, why was it that you assumed that as soon as I walked on stage? Was it, you know, my personality? Uh, was it the way I walked? Or was it... You know, could have it been my outfit? Was it the perspective? And did that perspective, as soon as I walked on stage, did society automatically assume that I was, you know, less intelligent, less qualified, less professional, less educated? I'm probably fairly capable, maybe own some land. Basically, second class. Why could I not be a professional? grass-fed beef producer, specialising in animal welfare, soil management practices, and chemical management. Why is that not a thing? It sounds to me a little bit like it's all about perspective and language. So, 
Why? Why is agriculture no longer seen as a valid profession within Australia? Why was I never encouraged through school to pursue a career within agriculture simply because I had slightly higher grades? I have to ask you, Callan, which version <laughs> is more you? <laughs> <laughs> I would say both. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I can strongly associate both. Yeah. I love that. So your presentation is really thought-provoking, um, especially as a young person myself. You know, talk to me about what gets you so fired up around the language we use and the perceptions of agriculture. I guess what, what got me fired up uh, initially was when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about at VOCAG and it turned, it my, my brain switched on to the visual and verbal perception in agriculture. When I was... When I, was, when I started to delve into that a little bit more within, in depth, it got me fired up because, as, as I said earlier, and as you said as well, if, if that could happen to a kid who grew up 1,400 kilometres from the state capital, how many others has it affected, possibly without them knowing? You know, it's, if, 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 a, if a kid who should have been so proud of had had a great experience in agriculture, you know, droughts aside, drought is just a part of, of, of the bigger picture. Overall, I had an amazing time. I loved the people in agriculture. I loved working in agriculture. Mm. Why was I not immediately turning towards agriculture? Why was I not proud of, of the industry that I came from? Why did I not see my parents as they, why did I not see that they were pursuing a profession and that they were good at what they did and that it was a business that they should be proud of and they were running a business, it wasn't just a hobby, et cetera. Mm. It's things like that that I think delving into those opened my eyes a little bit to how serious it is without us maybe even fully being aware of it. So you talk in your presentation about how sometimes when we introduce ourselves as Aggies, we, we refer to ourselves as just a farmer or we just work in agriculture. How damaging do you think that is? Uh, yeah, it's hugely, even though, even though it's, it's, it's a one word, hugely. Mm -hmm. I'd say every time I, um, every time I try and talk about this issue, I insinuate just strongly that every day I still have to, think of myself without using that word just before, even in my head, I, I might not even be talking to someone. It's, it's something that it's a word that has just been so strongly associated with a bit of shame, a small, uh, it's just a side little portion of shame with agriculture, which, which is, which is a real, it's a, it's a real detriment to. Well, we're to, selling ourselves short, aren't we? Exactly. Really? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think when we sort of fall short of explaining what we do to other people or we sort of um, avoid avoid the conversation with, with saying just a farmer or just working in agriculture, do you think it's a fear of people not understanding us that we're avoiding or I'd say I'd say there's there's a, there's certainly a bit of fear in there. Um, it's the fear that we're going to be attacked for what we do sometimes. But it's it's also a fear that we're going to be seen as that second class, second rate citizen, mm. which is so not true. And it's something that if we if we do work on it, it, it I would love to. I would love for the the twelve year old kid who goes off to boarding school from Central Queensland to to be able to say to his 
sees his his friends that he's just met. You know, oh, what do your parents do? And and he says, oh, they're farmers and they're they're professionals. God, that you know, and and for people to go, wow, that's a that's a really fulfilling and satisfying career. So. Mm. And on the flip side of that, you know, for the Metro kid for, to go into his careers counsellor and say, actually, I would like to be a drone pilot in agriculture and have the careers counsellor go, wow, what an, what an incredible career to look mm-hmm. forward to. Let's make sure we can get you to do that as opposed to saying, well, no, Johnny, you're a B-grade student. Why wouldn't you be aiming to do, you know, something like, yeah, law or whatever it might be? Mm, spot on. Yeah. Are you loving this episode? Me too. If you want to support Generation Ag to grow, we hope you'll consider becoming a Patreon partner. In return, we'll serve up exclusive content just for you and maybe even mention you on the show. All you need to do is visit the link in our show notes for more information. Thanks, guys. So talk to me about some of the opportunities that came out of that Evogag five-minute presentation that you gave because I know you've had a lot of successes since. Yeah, so uh, Evogag really, uh, as cliche as it sounds, um, was a bit of a cinch pin in, in, of, of where I've gone on since then and it's, it's kick-started. It, it gave me a platform to share my ideas. It gave me the opportunity to network with people that were interested in my ideas and passions and, and even maybe what I could contribute to the industry. Even though as a 20 year old there, I seriously undervalued myself. I undervalued myself when I applied for the, uh, for Evoke Ag. When I saw that there was applications open, I looked through it and it was still, it was probably still six weeks to 12, six to eight weeks before application closed. But I looked at it once and I went, no, there are so many people out there that are doing, that are doing big things, fantastic things that are running their own businesses mm-hmm. that are just so much, they were, they're worth so much more. Why would I apply for something like that? Who am I to do that? Mm-hmm. And once I got over that little hump, which was probably a week before applications closed, I put in my application, got in, got to a vocag, realized that there was some value in what I had to say and some value even in myself. And yeah, and, and um, I've moved on to a full-time career from literally from a vocag. So it's and pushed me on to bigger and better things. you a degree, right? You took a break to do this. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good break. <laughs> I can't wrap my head around that and I just really think it's amazing it just goes to show in agriculture it's all about who you know at the end of the day and you just have to open the door for the opportunities and then you know you don't know what's going to come flooding at you and I think you know congratulations to you because I think that's really amazing I want to ask (laughs) who who's in your corner backing you on applying for a vocab because I'm sure if you're you're a little bit uncertain about applying someone must have pushed you to do it so my corner would consist of uh my parents are big 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 supporters they're 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 great for that um I think they're well aware of the the fact as you said that the more doors you open as well that you Mm. you know something's going to be behind one of them don't be afraid to get an empty door every now and again and also a good a good family friend like a, a good friend of my mum's is uh, she's a fierce advocate for uh, she doesn't even you know she doesn't and there I go again even saying I was about to undersell what she does but she doesn't work directly in agriculture 
but she's a fierce advocate for agriculture and loves it and stands up for it. And she got in my corner and I had a big phone call to her the week before and she was just shooting ideas at me going, this is what, oh, you should do this. Oh, you know, you should, you'd love it. And yeah. And, and, and I got over that, that, that hump of, uh, as I said, that sort of, yeah, not, not feeling like, uh, I, sh- I should apply. I wasn't quite worth, I wasn't up to standard, I guess. Mm. And so talk to me then, I mean, you get approved to talk on stage and you walk out onto stage at a vocag. How many people are there and what's running through your head? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, it was probably, yeah, a bit over a thousand people or so. Um, And I'd just, I'd just gone on straight after the CEO of Vizzy. So a multi-billion dollar company. And I thought, okay, wow. Yep. Cool. Um, I... I, I definitely, I got up there and I, I had in my head a, a, a quite succinct presentation that I thought, yeah, that's my script. That's what I'm going to stick to. And I'm, you know, yep, I'm just going to get it out of the way and I'm going to walk away and that'll be it. And I got to about, so I had five minutes to give this presentation and I got to about the four and a half minute mark. And I thought, Oh God, I have literally covered maybe a quarter of what I thought I was going to talk on. I've just ended up rambling my passions instead of following this, this little script I had, I rambled on and I, and then I, I wrapped it up and I, I got off that stage as quick as I could. And I, I went and I went and celebrated out the fact that I remained relatively calm through it. I, th- I think I've had people say to me, how do you so, how are you so calm and on stage and how do you, and I thought, was I like, no, I don't, I think you must have watched the wrong video. So yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience. Yeah. And I just think, you know, when you watch it, the passion is what gets people because, you know, someone not to condescend to, you know, 21 years of age getting up there and, you know, delivering with such passion, this message around being who we are and being proud of it to a room of people who were probably 10, 20, 30 years your senior, I just think is so incredible. And I hope that what you did shines a light for other people in our generation to, yeah, not be scared. Don't be scared to stand up in a room of older people. You have a voice and it matters. And ultimately we're the ones who've got to take this industry into the into the future. We've got to solve the problems for everybody else moving forward. So yeah, be be passionate and be proud because yeah, we've got a huge future ahead of us. Oh, absolutely. I can't agree with that more and it's something that I attempt to open the eyes to people as much as I can at, at, at every opportunity. Um, people probably hate me for it when I talk in their ears too much, but I'll keep doing it. Well, you got the podcast now, so you can just uh, <laughs> you can just play the episode back and be like, guys, <laughs> have a um, listen. <laughs> you're a field uh, technician working in agri-food technology. Um, for the lay people among us, do you want to explain to everyone a bit about what your job ent- entails? Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's probably a good segue from the evoke ag idea because within. I met um, my current CEO uh, at Avocag. He was also a future young leader, Geordie Kitschke. And um, we had a beer one night at, in Melbourne before the conference and just started discussing what he was doing and uh, I guess what I was doing. And then I expressed my interest. And six days later, I drove from Queensland to Adelaide and started work. So it's, it's and now as 
for probably for the last seven and a half, seven months, I've been a field technician. And so my company's called MEQ Probe, which pretty much translates as meat eating quality probe. And it's the direct result of much smarter people than myself working in like the medical field, attempting to use lasers or light to detect cancer cells. And they realize that the technology has a huge market for commercialization or a product in other industries with a much faster iteration time. You know, you can, mm. it just means you can, it's easier to get a product into markets that aren't medical grade technology. Mm. So, so MEQ came in there and was started and MEQ uses lasers or light to scan fresh red meat, which so in beef and lamb and the red meat absorbs light and then throws the rest back out. And mm. so we basically take a picture of that light that's thrown out and our machine learning team attempts to predict from the fat con. So they try and predict what that picture means, I guess. And if they can determine what the fat content of the meat is, we've got a direct correlation to eating quality of that carcass. So I, I think that's, um, I hope that's uh, succinct. <laughs> so I can Simple get enough. It. Yeah. Um, Cause this is way over my head. Don't worry. You, <laughs> you're not being condescending at all. So is it still in sort of research phase at the moment or is it commercially viable currently? So the, at the point MEQ is currently, it's, uh, it, it, it's well and truly on its way to being commercially viable and mm-hmm. we're working so hard on it. It's, it's about three years old MEQ. But at the moment, we're moving forward at absolute leaps and bounds, and we keep finding something new that is just pushing us forward so quickly. So I would say, yeah, we, 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 we're, we're within a very short reach of um, yeah, hopefully having a product within the market very soon. Yeah, wow. That's so exciting. Um, and talk to me what, your, what a day in your job looks like. Oh, a day in my job, uh, I, I, I think a more accurate representation of my job would be a week or a month because a day is, is uh, a day can be anything, I guess it's, which is great. Um, we wear the set roles. We wear a lot of hats, I guess we, mm. we, ch- we, we, we do everything in our, in our absolute limits of our um, skill set to do, to help the company. So um, as a field tech, I might even, I guess my week would look like uh, I would spend uh, a day, let's say, a week in in our in our office with our machine learning team and our, our sort of our software engineers, and we're running over things that they're iterating or or trying to improve with our with our product. And then another three days of, the, of that week might be uh, inside an abattoir around somewhere in Australia, um, and that'll be operating our products, getting data collection. Um, or running a trial and validating that we're getting the right results. And another day of our week might be in our laboratory, uh, which is slightly north of Adelaide there, and uh, that'll be actually processing uh, meat and make sure, make sure that we're, we're getting an objective eating quality, I guess. So it, we're, we're validating again that mm. our machine is actually getting the right pitches and our machine learning team are predicting the right things. So. Yeah, that's it. My week could be, uh, it's great. It, my week consists of everything and anything, which is fantastic. Yeah. Most people say that working in agriculture, it's something different every day. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's, that's it. So what's next for you then? Is there a plan, a career path? Or are you just happy to cruise along at MEQ for the time being, see what happens? Ah, what's next for me is a, it's an interesting one. I, I think in terms of my personal 
goals uh, with what's next for me. Um, and a lot of the time they closely line up with MEQ's goals because I tend to talk a lot about MEQ and I'm passionate about agri-technology. Mm. And on that personal goal note would be, I want to get out there uh, even more than I'm currently doing and talk and 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 raise awareness about the visual and verbal perception in agriculture and about introducing people to critical positive thinking um, because it just it never helps to follow the same train track of thinking that we've always followed. So I want to try and um, make just make people think a little. Uh, I don't I don't need to I don't need to 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 bring a million young people into the industry. I think it's a it's an indirect way of doing it, mm. and that I guess directly correlates into my work. Is I want people to like myself to get a career in agri technology or agri any 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 branch of agriculture, whether it be farming or whether it be agri-finance, business, ag tech, ag innovation, there's there's an absolute just like plethora of just so many careers in agriculture. So that's that's my next for me. That is the next probably three years that I can see um, is going to be utilizing this, this. I've got the ball rolling a little bit at the moment and I want to keep it going. So um, hopefully I can, I can yeah, keep, keep the momentum up and, and, and meet as, and just meet as many people as I possibly can. Yeah. And on that note, you've been invited to speak again at Evocag next year, haven't you? But in a much larger capacity. Yeah. So it should be, um, it should be an absolute amazing uh, conference next year. And I'm, I'm extremely excited to, to, to what I've, uh, yeah, to what they've asked me to do. And, 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 uh, and I think, yeah, I'm, I won't say any more, but it's, 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 it's hopefully going to be unreal. Don't be afraid to stick your hands out for anything, absolutely anything at all. If, if there's ever an event like a VOCAG for myself where I hit that hurdle of not thinking that I really had as much to offer, um, I think if, 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 if you ever hit that hurdle, just try and think about what, what could be behind that door. Is there a job in agri-technology in Adelaide? You know, you just, there's absolutely no way of knowing unless you stick your neck out and back yourself, back your industry and back yourself. Yeah, I love that. Well, before we leave, I like to ask everyone, how can our listeners get in touch with you if they've loved what you've had to say? Oh, well, there's a there's, there's, there's hundred different ways to get in touch with me. I'm, I'm very contactable. I'm on Facebook and just as Callan Daily. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. Uh, there's my email, which is just dailycallum at gmail.com. I, I am absolutely open to anyone and everyone to talk to me and contact me, whether it be positive or just constructive criticism about what I'm doing or about how maybe I can get help for what I'm doing. It just, it doesn't bother me at all because any discussion is a good discussion in my eyes. And I just, I love to hear what other people are doing as well because it, mm. it just inspires you to move on to bigger and better things. I love that. Any discussion is a good discussion. I think that's a fantastic way to wrap up this episode, Callan. Thank you so much for tuning in from Adelaide and having this conversation with me today. I'm so excited um, about the conversation we've had and I'm, I really wish you all the best in your future endeavours. You've got a long way to go, I'm sure. Thank you very much. And I hope the weather in Perth is as <laughs> lovely as it is here. Thank 
you so much for listening to this episode of Generation Ag. We hope you loved it. If you did, don't forget to visit our guest bios page on our website where you can get all of their contact information. And if you have an idea for another guest in the future or a story that you want to hear, you can get in touch with us via our email, which is hello at generationag.com.au. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at generation.ag. That's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you've loved this episode as well, you can share it with your friends on your socials and make sure to subscribe to us on the podcast app and leave us a review because that all really helps as well. Thanks, guys. Bye.